Hi, I'm Amber Harper, host of the Burned In Teacher Podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the podcast you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Be sure to check out our other podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com and get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. Welcome to Kindergarten Chaos, the Developmentally Appropriate Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to Kindergarten Kiosk. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kathy. And today we're going to talk about linguistics. I was thinking about linguistics when I was watching Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> and he put on his, he was... Um, Dad put on his nose, and Rudolph said, it's not very comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> and that made you think of and linguistics? So it really made me think about how people say things. For example, I had a TA, and she kept saying, oh, I'm so tired. I just feel like I bore down all day. And finally I said, what do you mean by that? <laughs> and she said, well, that means... You work hard. If you bore down, you work hard. I've and never heard that before. That's a new one. No, I haven't either. And so it made me think of a lot of different ways that um, we pronounce things or I've heard things pronounced. And what do you, what do you drink out and of at school when you're a kid? You mean the water fountain? Yeah. Oh, you said the tea. How do I say it? Fountain. <laughs> say, say fountain. 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 You said fountain. <laughs> I say fountain. I say fountain. <laughs> and what's a little stream that runs through the woods? A creek. <laughs> it's a creek. It's a creek. You gotta go play in the creek. What's the thing you put in flashlights to make it work? A battery. A battery. <laughs> <laughs> How do you say if something's really close? It's like near. Yeah, I say pertinier. What? What do you say? <laughs> it's pertinier. Like it's pretty near. It's pertinier. That's a weird How one. close is it? It's pertinier. That's, that's a weird one. <laughs> How about Monday? Monday. Uh, lots of people I hear it say Monday. Monday? Monday. Mm-hmm. Monday. My mom, on Saturday night, she loved to watch the Rassles on TV. The Rassles? Mm-hmm. Russell. Oh. The wrestling matches. She called them the, the Rassles. I gotta go watch the Rassles. Mm-hmm. The Rassles. How about crayons? How do you say crayons? Crayons. And lots of people say crayons. Hand me the crayons. Um, I have a friend who she always calls them colors. Hand me the colors. Mm-hmm. I said, you mean the crayons? No, the colors. <laughs> if you could once upon a time do something and now you can't, how do you say that? forgot is that the word you were looking for uh, used used to could <laughs> used to could <laughs> i used to could do it <laughs> how about if something's just a little bit off like you're trying to hang a picture and it's a little bit it's off crooked it's skewampus <laughs> you know we we had a a more critical 
review for our podcast and the criticism was that one of our hosts says kidses instead of kids like like <laughs> and, and I thought for sure it was you but I think it's me I don't think <laughs> Which I, of say I say kidses get the kids's stuff it's me it's totally me I say it don't I I didn't realize I said that. I think you're the one that say kids. Because in my head, I'm saying K-I-D apostrophe S and not K-I-D-E-S. But I don't think that's what comes out. (laughs) (laughs) But then that brings us to, is that wrong? Is it wrong to say kids if that's how you pronounce something? Is it wrong to say poem if that's how you pronounce poem? Well, apparently in linguistics... The phoneme is the sound that you think you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. The phoneme is the sound you think you're making. (laughs) I think so. Whoever is the sound you're actually making. Yeah, whoever did the review that they don't like how Lindsay says kids. I thought I thought it was you. I thought, oh no, we we got a bad review because of. Mom's rural farmer language. But I think it was me. <laughs> hey, I own I own my talk. I mean, how do you say party? Hoot nanny, right? Hoot nanny. Hoot nanny. <laughs> Have you ever really called a party a hoot nanny? All the time. Hoot nanny. Like in high school you were with your friends and you were like Let's go have a hoot nanny. Let's go, girls. We're gonna go put on makeup and have a hoot nanny. Did you really say that? No, but I said hoot nanny a lot in a lot of other contexts. I don't know. So why does the knowledge of Linda Linga get him to say it? So why does the knowledge of linguistics matter? Why does it matter if a teacher knows about linguistics? Well, especially since we're early childhood teachers, we need to understand linguistics because we need to understand how language works so we can teach it. Because we have to teach language and we have to teach reading and reading involves understanding language. Teachers of young children, they're dealing with students that are making that transition from home to a formal educational setting. And it's, it's really difficult for those students because they're coming from a place where Everything they know is now changed to unknown. Mm -hmm. And if you think of yourself in your adult life, that's really scary to move to new settings. And so um, children that maybe have a dialect that's different than the norm or students that are second language learners, they come into a setting where there is now a different language being spoken. That's got to be really... Uh, frustrating and scary for them and so if teachers know about linguistics and know um, the importance of dialect and how words are pronounced within different cultures then it will help their students gain confidences that they need as they move towards um, oral language development well and also phonics is linguistics so if you're going to teach phonics you you have to know a little bit of linguistics So let's talk about some of the basics of linguistics. So I think the most basic thing we could we should understand is what's a phoneme? What's a phoneme, Mom? A phoneme is the smallest unit of speech. Yeah. 
And it, it is what we think we're saying. <laughs> it's what we think we're saying. So when Lindsay pronounces the word K-I-D-S. When I say kids, I think I'm making an apostrophe <laughs> S sound, but apparently I'm not. <laughs> I love that you immediately blamed me. I thought it me. was you for sure. Oh, it's my mom, the hick I thought it was you for sure. <laughs> I don't say that. I say a lot of other stuff alone. <laughs> So a phoneme is the basic, the smallest unit of a speech sound. So um, in in the word ski, for example, ski has three phonemes, s, k, e. And the word the has two phonemes, th and uh. So I have actually heard it said that how hard can it be for someone to learn how to read or how hard can it be to teach a little kindergartner how to read because there's only 26 letters but you really think about it there's is it 44 phonemes that are made from those 26 letters and so when it's when you're teaching someone to read or to develop oral language you really need to think more in terms of phonemes Mm -hmm. uh, units of speech rather than the alphabet letters that are used to construct those phonemes in written language right because you've got 25 consonant phonemes and then 18 of those get represented by a single letter but then seven of those get represented by two letters like sh and ch and uh, and then we have some letters like c and q and x that actually are making phonemic sounds that are more commonly made by other letters right Mm-hmm. And then we've got uh, 18 vowel phonemes, but we only have A, E, I, O, U, and sometimes Y to represent 18 vowel sounds. So it's more complicated than just the 26 <laughs> letters. It's, it's really complicated. And so teachers really need to have uh, a grasp of how alphabet letters are used to make those phonemic sounds in written language. And... Oh, I had a thought. What is it? Oh, and it's really important as a teacher is um, teaching like the O-W-L when they show the O-W and say this is L, that they really work on mouth position for students Mm -hmm. and have linguistic cards that show mouth positioning. Mm -hmm. I found that once I started using those cards, my students did so much better because they actually had a visual representation of um, all the linguistic placements of the tongue and the voice and if a letter's or a sound's voiced or unvoiced. And I noticed that Wonders, the Wonders update in the new Wonders program, that they've actually now included linguistic cards. Oh, nice. I was pretty impressed. Well... Should we talk about... And they're even movable. Like when you move the card, it opens and oh, shuts really? the Oh, really? That's cool. I haven't it's, seen that. It's, it's pretty impressive. Should we talk a little bit, bit about different ways consonant phonemes can be articulated? Yeah. Okay. So uh, phonemes can differ in the place that they're articulated and the manner they're articulated. So you can articulate phonemes with your lips, with your lips and your teeth with your tongue between the teeth, with your tongue behind your teeth, on the roof of your mouth, at the back of your mouth, or at your throat. And then you can articulate, those are the placements, but you can also articulate with a plosive where you're 
closing the you're blocking off your airflow and then you're letting out a quick puff of air or you can um, do it in your nose or you can narrow your air passageway and then force out uh, the air through it or you can uh, make you can stop your air like ch -ch -ch. we're stopping the air or a, a glide like yeah yeah is gliding past our teeth there or, or liquids like a oh sound where we're um, just interrupting the airflow slightly with our tongue but we're still letting it come through so uh, yeah and some are voiced phonemes and some are unvoiced phonemes like uh, some some are, are almost uh, just mirrors of each other can you think of a voiced and an unvoiced right away that match each other Oh. <laughs> I'm trying to think because mm. I know there are like there's some that are your mouth uh. is in the exact same position but one is voiced and one's unvoiced oh like P and B because P, 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 P has no voice but B, B, B is in the same place as P you've just added a voice into it right and I like I like to teach my students to um, put their hands on their throat and to feel the difference of the voiced and unvoiced mm -hmm. by feeling the motor in their throat. And, you know, so many of our students come in with speech problems mm. where they're not able to really um, correctly form sounds. Mm -hmm. And that's a real important job of ours is to help students articulate the sounds. And if we have that basic knowledge of um, voiced and unvoiced and mouth positioning, then when we're working with a student that is having a hard time saying a sound, then we can actually tell them. You know, that's one thing that I'm really big on is I don't think anything should be a mystery <laughs> to a student. A student needs to know exactly what I'm telling them. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if a student is having a hard time with S, then to help them with the S sound, we need to be specific in... Where is the tongue placement? Where is, is it voiced? Is it unvoiced? And all of those things Lindsay just talked about. All those complicated things that I just went through super fast. And <laughs> hey, you can Google Go it. Google it's, it. <laughs> you can find it. But um, I think our speech teachers are a great resource. If you do need some help on, you know, how, how do, do I teach the kids how to make the shh sound? You know, go to your speech teacher and say and ask her for some help because they're the linguistic experts of the building. That was a tip mm -hmm. I got from Wiley Blevins when I talked to him. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a good tip because that's really what they're in. You know, when they come and pull your kid and go to speech, that's what they're in there doing. And so, use that expertise. So we didn't mention it before, but a phoneme is your basic unit of sound. So a grapheme is the next linguistic term, the next simplest linguistic term for teachers. <laughs> because a grapheme is the basic unit of the written language that represents that, uh, those sounds. So for example, ow can be written O-W, A-U, Mm -hmm. So ow, ow. ow is the grapheme, or ow is the phoneme. Oh, you. And uh, the letters are the graphemes that are used to represent it. So just like S-H is one phoneme, sh 
represented by two graphemes, SH, which is a diagraph. <laughs> so there's another term just thrown out there for fun. Um, and there's also morphemes, and morphemes are the smallest unit of meaning in the language. So uh, like a, a prefix, like restart. Re is a small unit of meaning that means to do over again. But also adding an S to the end of the word to make it plural, S becomes a morpheme there because it's, uh, it's giving us meaning that there's more than one. So... And that one, in context with teaching students, so many of our kids drop an S. Even the upper grade reading difficulty students that I work with, a lot of them, that's one of their problems, is they're not putting on the word endings. Mm. And so if a student isn't putting on a word ending, then they're actually changing the meaning of words, which when they begin to become more difficult readers, that's going to change meaning of stories. Mm -hmm. So just that little tiny thing of knowing a morpheme is really important when we're working with our kids. When we listen to one of our littlest children talk and not put word endings on and we think, oh, well, um, it really is a big deal. It needs to be uh, addressed and corrected. Should we talk a little bit about um, vowels maybe here? Because you've got some good tips about teaching vowels and I think vowels are sometimes the hardest. I think vowels are sometimes the hardest uh, phonemes for the kids to tie to graphemes because like we said before there's so many there's so many English vowel sounds that get represented so many different ways by, you know, just a few letters in different combinations. So maybe we should talk about vowels, Mom, because sometimes vowels are a pretty complicated, uh, a pretty complicated phonemes for kids to grasp, especially in kindergarten, because um, they, they're made so similarly in your mouth, all of the vowels, and they also get represented so many different ways and they're just more complicated so do you have any tips for understanding how to teach vowels and the linguistics of teaching vowels yeah vowels is tough i um, the students that i'm working with grades k through six when i do their assessments on esgi on vowel work i would say 95 percent of students who are struggling with reading that they're main problem, not their only, but their main problem tends to be even short vowels. Mm -hmm. Even in fourth grade, they're struggling with um, immediate identification of a short vowel sound. Mm -hmm. So they are, they're hard, and vowels need to be strategically taught and worked on a lot. Just a side I, note before you keep going, I've seen some uh, strong evidence that in kindergarten, we should only be teaching those short vowels, and we should be teaching them to accuracy, and we need to stay away from the long vowels before they have those short vowels really, really solid. I mean, we sh uh, the those evidence I was seeing was saying don't touch long vowels at all. So, would you agree? Would you agree with that? I completely agree. I um, in back to wonders because that's what I've taught most recently. 
chapters 9 and 10 where they introduce the long vowels, I just really don't Didn't you do say them. that 9 and 10 are pretty much a, a, the same as the first grades? Yeah, anyway. when we searched when we searched through Wonders and we really searched through it, nine and ten chapters nine and ten Wonders are completely retaught in um, first, first grade. grade, and in first grade they don't uh, do long vowels until December. Oh, wow. So if first grade aren't being taught long vowels in December, why are we muddying the water with long vowels? Well, as in someone who has taught first grade before. Um, as a first grade teacher, I would much rather have them come into first grade with those short vowels completely solid than be mm -hmm. kind of like, well, I think I know what silent E does. I think I do, but I forgot what an A by itself says. So, yeah. And that there again, we're not talking uh, for the mass because we certainly are going to differentiate right. at the guided reading table for all of our different leveled readers. Right. We're talking but about for, things we're teaching to 100% accuracy yeah, for everybody. Yeah, exactly. And the thing that needs to be taught to 100% accuracy for everyone in kindergarten are short vowel sounds. All right, so can go go on and tell us how we teach vowel sounds cuz they're hard. They're made so <laughs> they're made so similarly in your mouth and they are they are. Yeah. And you just need to be strategic again. And like I said, I, I'm just really upfront about my students. So after I've taught all of the alphabet letters, I like to have a tricky vowel week. And usually it's a couple weeks. I usually spend a couple days on just one short vowel and really do a deep dive study of it. So for example, the A sound, when I'm teaching the letter A says A, I want to have, uh, I give all of my students a mirror. So when we say ah, we can look at the attributes of our mouth and see where our jaw is and feel if our motor is on and um, how open our mouth is. I like that you call I, the voiced the voiced phonemes that their motor is on. I know, I'm so I used like to calling it. it motor. I'm going to steal it. <laughs> yeah, kids love it. Motor on, motor off. And finger spacing really helps. So ah... If hold your finger up to your mouth and say ah, ah. how many fingers? How many fingers fit right there? Ah. ah, it's really a one. I got two. It's a one finger. I got two. Ah, ah. well, don't open your mouth so wide. <laughs> <laughs> ah, <laughs> ah, okay. Oh, okay, it's a two. I one. could do two. So ah. then we agree. Then we really talk about it, and that's really fun for the students to do to see how many fingers are between their lips when they say it. And so all we are, for the couple days that I'm spending on that vowel, I'll just keep reinforcing, reinforcing, reinforcing. And then we'll move to the graphophonemic um, reading of the a uh, and practicing lots of things. So the a, uh, how many fingers are for the a? Uh? Uh, that's, that's a smaller one in your mouth, right? That's a small, uh. yeah, that's a one and finger. And wide, one. it's a wider and, mouth. You, you talk about wide, how wide, so, right? Yeah, and so I actually talk about it as the smile sound. Mm -hmm. So when kids are looking in the mirror making the eh sound, I begin with the eh and then have them move to eh and really look at the differences in their, um, their mouth shape and how actually you really smile. 
So whenever we're doing it and reading it, I always have like the smile sign mm -hmm. from Signing Savvy. And that will help the kids. So if they're reading a word and they actually say ah for an eh, then I'll give them the smile sign and they'll quickly change to eh because mm -hmm. they know that they have to pick their um, voice up. So each vowel is just like that. It's um, eh and where the voice is, where the mouth, tongue is placed, and how many fingers you can hold and it's holding sideways it's not like how many fingers oh, yeah. are shoving like, down your mouth <laughs> like you know when you hold your finger like up a like mustache. you're making a mustache <laughs> you're moving not that inside horizontal your mouth not... Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a horizontal mustache finger not like can i fit my whole fist inside my mouth <laughs> exactly that's and a good so... clarification for I know, everyone. I'm thinking about that so you really have to be explicit on that vowel teaching because the sounds are so similar. They're so close, but they're so, they important, so important and so necessary that if you don't really take time to really, really strategically teach them, the students are going to struggle with them. Do you talk to them about how a word can't be a word unless it has a vowel in it and that they're the glue that sticks the consonants together. Oh my gosh, I love that song, that talking word factory vowels, stick, mm -hmm. sticky letters. The, the leapfrog <laughs> one. It is the glue. Yeah, I love, 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 love that leapfrog song. Leapfrog letter factory. And That's the one, right? Yeah. Best. And the kids get it immediately, that a word has to have a vowel because they get that glue to stick the letters together. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's Do talking you... words factory vowels. It's... Sticky letters, I think, is what you can look for on YouTube. Do you um, do you do anything in particular to help them remember which letters are the vowels, or do you think just focusing on them for a couple weeks is all is does the trick? I uh, there's a lot of songs that well, first off, most word cards, most sound cards have the vowels in red, mm -hmm. and so all of the reading curriculums that I've taught all have the vowels in red. And so when you're introducing your alphabet, you refer to them as vowels mm -hmm. first off. And so they've been introduced that way. And there's a lot of um, songs. If you use Waterford, they're singing all kinds of vowel songs because they have a whole bunch of vowel songs. So I think um, introducing them to what the vowels are definitely is important. Um, oh, what's it called? ABC Mouse. They have a really cute vowel song. I was going to ask. Oh, and another is, um, what is that place called? T take time, or Have Fun Teaching. Have Fun Teaching is on YouTube, and they have a cute vowel song as well. Do you, you don't deal with Y as a vowel, do you? Because it's a long vowel, so it wouldn't fit, unless you're doing it in first grade. We, in first grade, we, you definitely. You would definitely want to cover Y as a vowel, yeah. but that it's a long vowel always, right? My, yeah. by. You, it, it makes I'm, the sound of it replaces an I or an E. Yeah. So it replaces yeah. either one of those sounds. So it's not going to fall within the scope of the short vowels anyway. I mm -mm. had another teacher try to tell me that Y isn't actually a vowel. Like, <laughs> well, let's think well, about that. Why? You know, honestly, Y isn't a vowel. It's a consonant, but it no, it, is a. It's a. It's, it's a grapheme. 
Let's back but up. One is it is a, as a grapheme, grapheme that can represent many different phonemes. And some of the <laughs> phonemes it can represent are consonant phonemes, and some are vowel phonemes. So, that's right. So, so, as a letter, it's a consonant. An alphabet letter Y is a consonant. No, it's, as a it's phoneme. exactly what we say it is. It's a consonant, <laughs> but sometimes a vowel. <laughs> I don't know why this is up for but debate. Why are we complicating why it? Why is this up for debate? And sometimes why? A-E-I-O-U and sometimes, and sometimes why? why. This is a thing. This is a real thing. I don't know why we were, why someone suggested it wasn't, and now we're debating whether it is or not. How did that happen? Well, I used to could know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that there's. A, let's go back to what you said about teaching, um, teaching non-native English speakers or speakers who have uh, maybe a different dialect than you do. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what are your suggestions for that? Where the phonemes that you are using to are different from the phonemes that they are using. And it's, it's really difficult. If you've ever tried to learn a foreign language, then you immediately know what your students are being confronted with. Mm-hmm. It's really tough. There is some Chinese word that I was trying to learn how to say. I can't remember. It was probably something like, hello. <laughs> no, I do know how to say ni hao. <laughs> but I was trying to learn how to say it because I can't even remember. I mean, this wasn't long ago. But I needed to know how to say this Chinese word. And I couldn't do it. I could not get that um, phonemic sound in my... I couldn't make it. No matter how hard I tried, I could not make it. And so I I think we need to know that. That our little um, students that are coming with other language, it's hard for them to make that phonemic sound we're asking of them to make. You know, we have to respect their dialect. We have to respect their culture and what their natural speaking is. Because if we are not, then kids stop speaking. If you have a student that is trying to learn um, English in your classroom or a student that has a real thick dialect in your classroom and they're being awful quiet right now, it's because they're the negativity has gotten to him. I know that um, when I went to college, I had lots of people ask where I was from because I had a real thick dialect. And pretty soon I just stopped talking because I felt like everything I said was wrong. And then I had to really practice on it. And now I've kind of moved back kind of to the region I I grew up. And people are talking like that. Now I really notice it. I'm like, wow. And then <laughs> it's kind of a thick dialect. <laughs> and are you picking up your dialect again? Or are you telling everybody I else so. to cut it I out? I hope so. Because it's my Are roots. you going to start calling part? Are you going to tell me that you have planned nanny. a hoot nanny for my birthday? <laughs> Come on over. We got a hoot nanny going on. Come on well, over and have is a just... birthday cake at the creek by the lake. A mountain. lot of it is idioms, you know, like if you don't know anything and people say, you don't know Jack. Mm-hmm. You know, I just haven't heard that kind of stuff for so long. <laughs> it's like, oh, you're right. You don't oh, know Jack. I remember. I remember people who talk like this. 
I know, like everything's hunky dory. <laughs> I just think it's. <laughs> but um, I visited Aruba, and one thing that I really was interested in was that they had a language, and it was called something like Papaminto. And if you're from Aruba, Aruba I apologize. <laughs> but it was something like Papiaminto or something. And what had happened were was the landowners had brought people to work their farms to Aruba, and they had come from the Dutch and English and French nations. And then the landowners left, and I can't remember. This was a while ago I've been there. But the landowners left, and they left the workers behind. And they were left there to create a community among them. And because they spoke three different languages, they kind of came up with their own language mm -hmm. that's called this papiamento. And, and really, if we think about it, language really is always evolving and always changing. And it, it is kind of where you live. And um, my friend Rebecca, she, she's from Georgia, and she has a very southern, southern tone. I have friends from New York, and everyone speaks different. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean it's wrong. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean it's wrong to say kids. <laughs> it means that's how people talk. That's that's their. That's what makes them unique, and we need to respect that in our students because we want to make our educational setting as positive as we can, and we want them to feel valued, and we can help them along the way linguistically that. Um, with the correct pronunciation of things, as long as we're valuing what they say. And I do remember from my master's linguistics class that one real important thing was, um, uh, it was a story about a teacher that had gone to, um, I don't know, I'll say Harlem. <laughs> and the, the students that came to her class was talking jive and she was trying to um, correct them. And she soon came to know that if you disrespect how a person pronounces a word, then you're actually disrespecting them. And it was a really good story. And I wish I could remember what the book was called. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a real moving story. And it really made you think about how we need to really respect our students. As, long as, as well as teaching and moving them along. Well, I think that's a good place to end. And I think linguistics is fascinating. And there's just too much to really cover well here. But if you're interested, you should definitely look up more because I, I think it's fascinating. When I started to learn about it in college, I thought, you know, if I don't end up being a teacher, I want to be a linguist. This is cool. <laughs> it's really fascinating stuff. And Honestly, I don't think enough teachers are taking advantage of the speech teacher in their building. And so that's if our number one tip that we can give you from this episode is go uh, make friends with your speech teacher mm -hmm. and ask them, say, um, Johnny isn't able to do this. Why? What can I do for him? Because you will be amazed at how many tips that they will have for you in helping your students with phonemic awareness and early phonics. Mm -hmm. Oh, and before we go, remember everyone that if you haven't tried out um, ESGI, make sure you go to ESGISoftware.com and sign up for your free 60-day trial. Use the code 
kiosk, K-I-O-S-K. And when you purchase, you'll save yourself $40 and you will love, love, love. And you'll ESG save app. yourself, what is it? 400, 400, 400 hours. hours. <laughs> you really literally Oh do. my goodness. Yes, <laughs> I mean, you do. Is, yeah. Yes, you do. It is worth every, it is worth it. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Goodbye, everyone. Kindergarten Kiosk is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, a network of podcasts for educators by educators. For more information, visit edupodcastnetwork.com. That's E-D-U podcastnetwork.com. Now can I listen to it?